Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription, trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon show. Uh, here we are again with the one and only Matt Hranick. Absolutely. Author and founder. Uh, hold on. Author of A Man at His Watch and A Man in His Car. I hope we get into uh, what's coming up next and uh, founder of the WM Brown Project. So uh, I hope we get to spend a little time talking about that. I know, Matt, the last time we were on, uh, we, were, uh, we really dug into a man in his car. It was awesome. Uh, hey, by the way, this is, uh, this is my advertisement for you. So for folks that may be listening, uh, guys or ladies, if uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up and don't be afraid to suggest, hey, this would be a great, uh, great addition to the bar or the coffee table. Uh, so that was my commercial for the, uh, for the show. So, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it, man. So we're going to do something cool with Matt tonight. We've got, uh, you'll see yeah, if you're, if you're just listening and not watching, uh, I've got three bottles in front of me. So we're going to do a blind tasting. It's not a double blind. We're going to know what we're drinking. Actually, Matt doesn't know what we're drinking yet. I don't know if Dan does either. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, so you're going to have an idea of what we're getting ready to go through, but they don't know what's in the bottles and we've got the bottles labeled ABC. So we're going to do some tasting as we're kind of chit chatting. And then at the end, we're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like about them. And um, I didn't send anything bad. The one thing I did send over is I sent all craft distilleries that have been on the show. So I sent over in no particular order. Uh, I sent over a local and Matt, I don't know if you had a chance to get there while you were, while you were in Atlanta visiting with Sid Mashburn, uh, but I sent ASW it's uh, resurgence rye, but it's uh, a single barrel pick at cast strength. And uh, that's this one, just so you know, and that's from uh, the liquor store across the street. My friend's bottle shop. That's their single barrel pick. Hmm. And uh, our friends over at Penelope Bourbon, we're going to be uh, one of the bottles has their four grain, uh, kind of their, their flagship uh, four grain whiskey. And then we're going to head uh, to Maryland and we're going to uh, one of the uh, labels has Sagamore Spirit Rye and that's the 83 proof. So, so we've kind of got a, we, we don't, you may notice, we don't have any bar, uh, bourbons in this mix. We've got all whiskeys and we've all, we've got some kind of rye variation. Uh, I think the only thing that has corn in it is going to be the four grain Penelope, but it's going to give us a real different play on uh, kind of, you know, what do you like? Do you like malted rye? Do you like straight rye? Do you like a four grain? And, and each are going to be kind of, uh, everything's going to be different. So it's not necessarily what's best uh, or which one do you, it's, it's, which one do you like better and which one hits your profile? And by the way, Matt, did you, uh, did you paint that window just for us? That, that nice snowy scene outside or is that, that photoshopped or what um, is that? Well, this is courtesy of mother nature. This new painted window frame is courtesy of me because I got sick of looking at that janky chipped off paint and it just made it look like I was living in like a, I don't know, like a crack house or something. Um, <laughs> So, uh, no offense to crack users out there, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I figured, you know, we should at least, if we're not going to paint the whole office, we should at least paint that window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, Good. and I reframed the Hemingway print. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that looks a lot better. Oh, um, yeah. so anyway, it's a slow process. But, but before we get into this, and I'm going to let you, we can start ABC or we can go BCA. It doesn't matter. You're going to tell us how we're going to do this, but, uh, uh, we're going to taste them all. But, um, I want you to show off that microphone you got, because typically, <laughs> typically we don't let guests wear uh, earphones and microphone use microphones on the show. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's real nice. Um, we don't hear people like clinking dishes in the house or my daughter on it, like on some video game or the dog yipping to get out like this is, uh, you know, and no one gets to hear you now. 
which yeah. is even, um, you know, it's only good for me. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how you say that no one gets to hear me and that's better. I mean, the purpose of the show is so people hear us. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, just saying. All right. So are we going to start with a, we, we don't, let's just get our palates warmed up. I don't know if you've had anything to kind of get, uh, get going yet or not, but we got to have a little taste of something just to kind of get us, get us okay. going. So if you want to smell, I don't know if you have something besides what you poured, but just, uh, you know, just have a smell or. Ooh, starting off hot here. Well, the good thing was I realized today um, in the haste of my day, I didn't brush my teeth this morning. Oh, boy. Oh, perfect. Which is pretty rank. But uh, <laughs> I got home a couple, about an hour ago and I brushed my teeth. So I have kind of a clean, unadulterated palate right now. Nice. Oh, nice. So, but wait, Are you starting with A or which one are you starting with? Uh, I started with A. Okay. okay. All right. Should we taste, should I taste them all or how do you want to do this? No, nah, we'll get there in a minute. What do you think? I want to know what you've been doing, man. I've been following you on Instagram. Mm. Um, I've been to, well, that is like, um, I didn't, we didn't talk about what that smelled like. That's like a chocolate bomb, man. That's like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. That's like a, uh, uh, like the, the girl scout, uh, like if there was a graham cracker, there is a graham cracker in that thin mint. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get back into that. But hold on. So what's Matt Horanek been up to? Uh, well, I'm working on issue seven of uh, William Brown magazine. Nice. And uh, which is essentially the spring issue. Um, and uh, I was just down doing a story down in Thomasville. I've been in the south this pandemic season. Uh, more than I ever have been down the South. I mean, kind of exploring Americana because we can. And, um, you know, been working down there, you know, visiting Sid, did a book event there. And then down, I was just down in Georgia again in Thomasville working on a story. And I have to say, I'm absolutely in love with, with that part of the world. I think it's so great. And it was so nice to kind of concentrate on Americana a little bit. Uh, during this period, rather than always being forward facing to Europe, you know, the green grass is always greener sure. is not necessarily true. Um, and it's been great exploring essentially my backyard and to be, uh, be in the South has been terrific. I've really, really enjoyed myself there. And, uh, I had a hard time coming back on this one. Nice. Well, I, I saw your most recent post and, uh, you got the, uh, you got your knee boots on and right. you, you were, uh, you went on a pig hunt, did you? Uh, I went on a rather unsuccessful pig hunt because I realized, <laughs> um, we realized that w w when we were walking out where the feeders were and where all these big, rather territorial, destructive hogs were on this yeah. friend of mine's plantation, uh, somebody had must have cracked our, <laughs> like an AR-15. There were just like hundreds of rounds on the ground that we didn't realize until we walked out. Wow. And we were like... Maybe that's why we didn't see any pigs. Mm. They, they already killed them all. Mm. They probably already killed them all. <laughs> you, um, but um, no, but, you know, part of the joy of doing all that stuff is, okay, it's still a hunt if you don't kill anything. Like part of it is, I mean, right, the right. enjoyment for me is being out there kind of BSing and chit-chatting and gearing up. And, you know, we saw lots of deer and we, you know, the, the squirrels are going mad. I mean, it was like you're immersed in the experience of nature sure. and all that stuff. But uh, we did not see any pigs, but we did hunt and shoot a lot of quail, uh, which was pretty spectacular. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, typically, that, well, I guess in modern time, uh, the AR-15 is the gun of choice in, in both uh, hog hunting and coyote hunting. That's right. That's, uh, yeah, we and, with the modern day folks. So. And, you know, some people have used the AR-15 in the uh, in very incorrect ways, and right. uh, yeah, it's sure. got a bad rep. We were using still two two threes, but um, a, a bolt action uh, rifle was yeah. a slightly calmer thing. Um, and I guess you know we can reserve. You know, we could put a whole show based around th those philosophical differences. That's for the you know, next just, show. That's for the next <laughs> that's show. The next show. Um, but no, I mean, it, we had a, you know, what I like about that part of the world is that um, there is a kind of sophisticated edge tempered by, you know, it's the ultimate high-low, right? Sure. And, and that's what I love. You know, there's a sophisticated kind of aristocratic sensibility of that part of the South, which probably comes back to its colonial colonial days with the British sensibility. Like everyone's like super polite and formal. 
but it's still like pimento cheese and canned beer and i'm all for that <laughs> nice Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. So you were so you were quail hunting. We'll move past the hunting thing, but uh, but I tell you the most thing the, the the thing I was most excited about. It looked like you had a little boy can spaniel as uh, one of your bird dogs. Well, this was actually a mix. It's a spaniel Brittany mix. It's owned by a friend of mine, and uh, it is very spaniel forward. And um, but it it, it it's a cocker Brittany mix. But it just okay. was a great dog with big personality and. Um, I mean, I just love bird dogs. I just think, you know, they're a bit crazy and that's the good thing about them. Like, I just don't want one in Brooklyn, but I like having one around me. It's sort of like people with boats. Like, I don't want to own a boat, but it's nice to be on the boat. Like, I feel that way about bird dogs. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we just had an absolute blast, um, you know, just kind of being around, you know, we were on horses for two and a half days straight and I've been, I haven't been on a horse in two years and, um, my uh, butt cheeks are feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you did a thousand squats. <laughs> oh my God. I said, I said to my wife riding and I had a really tall horse and I'm yeah. five, nine. This was a really tall horse. Like I had to pick up my leg to get it in the stirrup. Yeah. And I said, it was like doing a burpee, a squat thrust and a push up every single time I had to get up down on that horse. Sure. But, um, I don't know. I like the horse. Its name was nickel. Thank God they didn't give me like Diablo or, <laughs> you know, or Daisy. Um, but, um, I do enjoy that. I don't get to do that enough. So that was a real, real pleasure for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And the reason I asked, Hey, taste through those, by the way, just give them a smell and taste and then we'll go back through and then we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, so yeah, just so, uh, the, the reason I, I mentioned the bird dog is, uh, you know, I had a Boykin spaniel for, uh, maybe 18 years or so. He lived a really long time and he was a bird dog and we recently got, um, got another one and she's, uh, I think eight months old now. So she knows kind of basics, you know, sit, stay, come, uh, she'll heal a little bit. She's still a spaniel. So still a little squirrely as most are. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I'm looking, if you, if you got a guy down there and you know, somebody really well, uh, I'm looking for a trainer. Uh, so maybe, uh, after the show, we may want to connect. Uh, Actually, you know. I, I, um, I could probably do a good job hooking you up in this. And there's also, I know a great one up here on long Island. I don't know if that helps you being down there, but, um, I'm surely connected in that scene now. So we could talk yeah. about that offline if you want. Yeah. Sure. Cool. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So did you kind of taste through those and I did. Uh, you got, I did. got a little feel? So, so you see when I say we're, we're tasting like very different things, right. To kind of get a feel for the palate and you can probably kind of see, uh, you know, okay, what, what do you like and what do you don't like? I like them all. I think there's something to be said for, uh, maybe something different at a different time, but, uh, let's, uh, let's start back through C and let's kind of nose this thing and see what we're getting out of it and, and see, uh, I think we'll be able to nail them down pretty quick, but more, and it's more not caramel. figuring out which one more it is. It's just for me. You got, you got a lot of caramel on this one. Yeah. Where that first one, the A is so chocolatey and deep and, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so just so, uh, and I'm in no particular order again, I'll start with just how I have them lined up, but, uh, the, you know, the ASW is a hundred percent malted rye. It is cast strength as it's uh, a single barrel pick. Um, and it's a hundred percent malted rye. I just said it was hundred percent malted rye. Uh, uh, the Sagamore is 83 proof. Uh, and there, by the way, there's no age statement that I found on the ASW. The Sagamore is 83 proof. Uh, it's 95 rye, 5%, uh, some kind of corn and grain, you know, mix. And it's uh, give or take four plus years. Um, and then the Penelope is 80 proof. And it's a minimum. They, they don't give an age statement. They just say it's a minimum of 24 months. Uh, but yeah, coming in at, at 80 proof. And then, so the Sagamore and Penelope are both MGP source and the ASW is, uh, they, that's, uh, that's all local Atlanta stuff. So can you explain, uh, and what'd you say? M yeah. MGP. So it's, uh, so yeah, oddly enough, they just, um, they just merged with, uh, with Luxco out of, uh, out of Kentucky. So MGP primarily is a sourcer of, of whiskey. So they, I don't know, have you, uh, have you heard about the, the smoke wagon craze yet? Smoke wagon bourbon? No. No? Okay, I got to send you some of that then. So MGP is a, uh, you know, generally speaking, what they do is 
they they make whiskey and then they say they make it they age it and then they sell it to other folks like um sagamore uh sagamore even though sagamore has new stuff coming uh it's just new brands so as new whiskey lines or new craft distilleries are starting out i've got a label i know what my profile i know what my, what i want my profile to be they would go to mgp as a uh call them a, a wholesaler of spirits that doesn't have a label and they're going to pick out barrels and and they're going to you know okay here's the flavor profile i'm looking for this is the age statement this is the um uh, the mash bill mix that i'm looking for and mgp has got i, I don't have it in front of me but it just it, it they're running out of room to put barrels of whiskey because people come and buy whiskey from them so when you want to do a, uh, a white w- label yeah when you want to do a wm M brown project whiskey or bourbon you would go to MGP and you would source from them. They'll sell it to you. Now you're going to have to go to somebody. So like Penelope, uh, they're, uh, they're bottled out of Castle and Key in Kentucky. Oh, I know so, those guys, yeah. Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're, uh, they're in New Jersey uh, or Long Island. Northeast, nevertheless. They're in the Northeast. Yeah, uh, and but nevertheless, so they're you know they're they're pulling stuff down to you know a distillery and and uh, and they're they're you know they're storing and then bottling and then shipping from there. Where Sagamore, you know, they've got their own distillery now, producing their own spirits, and you know, so they they've still got their stuff from MGP, but you know, soon to be. You know, they're going to grow into, uh, you know, we, we won't necessarily need MGP anymore. We've got, you know, we've had enough time to f- put a four plus year age statement or I mean, two year. It's a rise. So or a Maryland rise. So, you know, you don't have to get to four, but, you know, they're going to have their own juice that they're going to be able to to produce and bottle themselves. So, cool. yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of interesting. But, yeah, MGP is the if uh, if you're opening up a um uh, if you're opening up, a, you know, if you're starting a new line, a new brand, you know, MGP is kind of the go-to, and and uh, they're making some of the even even labels that are distilling and bottling their own stuff, making making some really good stuff there. So great. And you take it, and then you're going to blend it to whatever you want it to be, right? So a lot of right. a lot of variation in terms of what the end product is, but they're they're doing the the actual distilling part of it. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Yeah. So see, I'm kind of um, getting getting some spice on it. Um, definitely a lot of caramel on the, on the back end of that. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's uh, easy, easy said like that, that not a lot of burn on the finish is a little light for me. Um, see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not a bad thing, but I mean, that's, that's a, that's a day boat sipper all day long for sure. Well, B also is not as hot, I think. And there's a little bit more apricot and it's kind of almost citrus in there for me anyway. Oh, Cal, did you hear that? He said apricot. That's one flavor of Cal that he never can get. He can never nail that flavor. (laughs) I I think you're. No, no. I think think you're right, Matt. I think you're right. No, no. Now that you say it. I, I can get it. I guess I don't eat enough apricots to uh, to really get in there. To, 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 well, I guess you don't fly Delta enough because the new vegan box has got apricots in. Well, number two, I would never get the vegan box. So. <laughs> it's got the most food. No, it's got the most food. Okay, so the, the biggest bang for your buck. So hold on. So so as we're talking about apricots. Um, or well, I, sh- I guess I should have said apricot, being uh, you know that I'm from the south, and you just left South Georgia. We, they, there are no apricots in in in, in the south in the south. And I'm sorry, there's um there's also no pecans. No, the they're pecans. They're pecans. Yeah, right, understood. So what about? Uh, I think the last time we spoke, you said you might be working on a cookbook. Is that? Uh, I am. I am. Um. I have it right to my left, the the uh, analog version of that thing. Um, I, you know, my publisher who did both of the books, Man is Watch, Man is Car, uh, the publisher that's putting out the Negroni Martini book that we kind of did a kind of quick fire publishing um, uh, attempt on. We, you know, we wanted to get these books out in a small format to kind of quickly complement what other things I've been doing. And, uh, you know, I had never kept a journal before in my life. And when we went up to the house during what we all seem to be calling the crisis, <laughs> or I like to call the situation, <laughs> um, I started keeping a food journal and I just thought it would be fun. It would be something I'd wake up in the morning and, you know, write what we had for dinner the night before, what we drank, everything. And before you know it, I had 
you know, and I was also always thinking about like all my mom and my mother's family is Italian. You know, no one was there. No one ever wrote anything down. It was all this kind of oral tradition, you know? So as I was kind of comforting everyone, including myself with a lot of that food that I remember as a kid and I'm reasonably handy in the kitchen. So I started writing all the recipes down and then we started writing down everything we did from my daughter's, my daughter was craving fast food and she was like, dad, we got to make crunch wrap Supremes, you know, the Taco Bell crunch wrap Supreme. And I was like, okay, I love the idea of that. Of course we own a deep fryer. And I was like, but let's kind of make the most elevated version of that. And we kind of did that. And I was writing all that stuff down. And before you know, I had a volume of, of recipes and food thoughts like this big. And I was talking to my publisher via Zoom call. And they said, oh, like, what's next? And I said, listen, I'm going to throw this out there. Because, you know, these guys, they're, the concentration of their publishing is cookbooks. Like, they have everyone from Sean Brock to Thomas Keller and sort of everything in between. Hmm. And I was collecting their cookbooks before I ever met them as a publisher for Do the Watch and the Car Book. Yep. And um, I said, I have this volume of recipes. And I started reading through it and showing them. And they were like, that's a cookbook. Do you want to publish that with us as a cookbook? And I said, yeah, I would, I would love to do that. Like, so that is in development right now. And I'm really, really, I mean, I have to say, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it because it's so deeply personal and it's so deeply connected to my history, my family now, friend, friends that, you know, that I've, for me, the, the meal together is the most celebra- celebratory, intimate act that you could have sure. with a, you know, non-engaged partner, you know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, that dialogue really means a, a lot to me. So um, to have an opportunity to share that on a larger scale, um, I'm really I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to, uh, to to seeing that. And do, do, are there any. Um, so in, in your career, right? I mean, in, through uh, through Condé Nast and 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 you know photography, et cetera, were there anybody any inspirations that you had from a uh, from a cook stamp? I'm sure there are many. Are there any that you could kind of single out that you you're like, hey, I want to model my cookbook after this, or I'm taking kind of a lead on that, or did you did you shoot well, from the hip? The only television I watched as a kid, besides like Hanna Barbera and you know Bugs Bunny, <laughs> is like I watched cooking shows like that was just crazy for cooking shows. And, um, you know, like from the galloping gourmet to the end, but, you know, but really it was like Jacques Pepin that really, uh, inspired me. I just thought he was cool. Cause he was French, had a funny little accident and he was, you know, taking really kind of provincial style cuisine and just presenting it in such a thoughtful way and a not dumbed down way, but also an accessible way, which was like, you know, we can still make great food with a can of tuna and a can of, uh, cre- you know, cream of mushroom soup. Like, sure. let's not overthink this. Let's elevate the food that you have around you. And that I thought was sort of sort of great. And, you know, then you had people like, you know, Julia Childs in the Galloping Gourmet, which I just love. I love the Galloping Gourmet because, you know, you know, he'd run into the studio with a glass of Chardonnay, leap over an ottoman and invite the cutest woman in the audience to have the meal with him at the end of the show. Like it was just like so cool. So, and, you know, and I grew up in a real food centric family. I had an aunt that had a diner and uncle had bars and restaurants. And I was constantly around that. And that was constantly the food dialogue. And, you know, you were shown love with food. You were shown favoritism with food. Like you were rewarded with food. It just was like embedded in in who I was as a kid and how I navigated my family and all that stuff. So it was a natural progression to have it be important to me. And, uh, and as I got older, particularly in this situation, having, you know, a daughter and Yolanda, my wife, um, to take the helm of that and share those experiences with them, uh, was just a kind of natural progression of what I was as a kid, really. Yeah, sure. What, what was the, uh, what's the Cajun cook's name? Uh, that did, Paul, uh, Paul Perdone, the big Paul fat guy. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul yeah, Ferdinand. Who yeah. almost eliminated the population of redfish in the South with his black and redfish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Paul Ferdinand. <laughs> yes. And I'm uh, sorry. I used to love that guy. I so did I. I. And so did everyone else. That's why, you know, the black and redfish, you know, almost decimated an entire popula- species. Um, but... Yeah. And then there was Emerald and then and how like the food, you know, how f- the food network in the early days when it wasn't just like food contests right, was right. really teaching people how to cook and eat and understand regional food and all that other stuff. And and that to me, you know, like as an adult, I still gravitated. I watched honestly, I watched fishing shows and cooking shows. That was all I really cared about. You know, and I, and I couldn't find any hunting shows because Time Warner wouldn't put any of that on. <laughs> but like that, that gave me uh, the sense of travel just being in my living room with that. And yeah. even when I was, you know, working on that little show with Esquire, like I was constantly in the wake of Guy Fieri, you know, diamonds driving the dive. Welcome <laughs> to Flavortown, you know, and and as and as corny as I thought he was, I think he his content was genius. Mm-hmm. And gave you the short list on mm-hmm. all these amazing mom and pop and interesting food sources all around the country. And I just love that. And when Yolanda and I drove from uh, from New York to, to Florida, I said, you know, this is going to be the barbecue tour. Like, I'm not going to waste my time with anything else but eating fried chicken and barbecue. Oh, nice. And let's just say that 12 pounds, I earned it. <laughs> it's still hanging around, eh? It's still hanging around. It's getting a lot tougher. Hey, the camera the camera didn't add anything. It was the fried no, chicken just and barbecue. Like, this face up. He does have a tan, though. <laughs> but um, anyway, I, it's, um, you know, food and drink is um, a great, you know, I don't know. It's a great unifier. It's a great socialization tool. It's a... It's a great way to um, everybody, you know, regardless of how busy we are, like I always tell everybody like, you know, Clara, you're not bringing the food up. I don't care how much phone, phone, uh, how much homework you have. You're not bringing your food up to your room. And Yolanda, we clear off all this work stuff and we have proper dinner. Like I, it's just really important to me. I don't care about yeah. breakfast on the fly or lunch or not eating lunch, but like that dinner, that ritual is important to me. And I, um, I put a lot of weight on it emotionally. Mm-hmm. How's it, guys? My name is Mark Immelman, and you've got to check out my friends Kel and Dan on their podcast, Birdies and Bourbon. Uh, Let's get into A, if you haven't been back into it yet. I like the nose on A the most. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, you, I mean, you were talking about being in the South and, and being in, um, uh, you know, being on the farm and that, I mean, this is like fresh cut hay, uh, just so, so heavy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting some chocolate and such out of there too, but I mean, the biggest punch that I'm getting, I mean, this is like just, I'm, I'm getting kind of a, like you, you've been to a distillery, right? And you're standing over the, the fermentation tank and you're kind of getting yeah. that waft of, like you're, you're getting the real deal on this one. So yeah, it's uh, a telltale to what we're I getting I mean, you there. do taste, you do smell that kind of toasted grain on A. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I'd make my Manhattan with this one. Oh, personally. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, uh, see, I, I would probably, yeah, I think it would, I think this to me makes a better, oh no, you said, you said Manhattan, right? You Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I think this I think leads, you, go ahead. It, I think this leads more and probably where you were just going. I think this leads more into an old fashioned, but, but I think you could, um, I think if you added something to the simple syrup, I don't know what you add yet. Well, but I, I think that I think I'm going to follow your instincts. And the reason why I, 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 I think this needs some sweet. So that either comes from the sugar of the old fashioned mm-hmm. or the vermouth that's coming from a Manhattan. Yeah. But I, I like the, I like the richness, the chocolatey, chocolatey kind of grainy aspect of it. But I think it, and I'm not a huge sweet fan, but I do like it when it is the sweetness tempers uh, the power of the spirit. And I think 
what you want is it not to get clobbered by the vermouth. Well, but now that you're talking about that, I mean, this would, uh, you know, a traditional hey, Cal, chocolate. Real quick, why don't, yep. you, why don't you say which one it is, since we're talking so in detail about it, the people and the listeners can know which one we're talking can about. Can we call it out now? Yeah, yeah I already know. I, I know what it is just based on the taste. But hey, but hold on. We're doing this official. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the envelope, please. We're, do, we're doing it. <clears throat> um, A is resurgence. A is resurgence. So, wow, okay. Yeah, A is resurgence. I tasted it like, like I and smelled it like I mean that is like that hundred percent malted rye whiskey that's just you know I mean it mm. it's like chocolate so where I was going is like this thing turns into a fabulous chocolate Manhattan. How do you make that? I don't I don't know what vermouth. So you you're you're probably better at vermouth than I am. Even though I like vermouth, I'm not uh, I'm not as uh, up up to snuff on my vermouth. Other than I know what I like. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Carpa Antico. I mean, who could go wrong with that? But what what do you think vermouth is going to pair well with this? So instead of doing a gin, or I'm not even going to say the word vodka, but instead of doing like a this is like chocolate martini all day. Mm-hmm. What are you going to hit this with? It's got to be a it's got to be a a blanco uh, or or a, a a white vermouth to hit it. I mean, with, for I me, I I think there's you know like Koki makes a really nice red sweet vermouth that has slight, it's lighter lighter and texture and in color and it has a slightly more vanilla forward um taste profile yeah which i think would be terrific in this for me you know yeah couldn't you see this as a a chocolate manhattan you're gonna call it that I'm not going to call it that. I'm just saying that's no, I mean, dude, you're the writer. You're the author. You're the creative one. Damn Manhattan made with resurgence. Oh, damn Manhattan. And he's going to shake it. Don't be hating on my shake now. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you something. Shake it there. I grew up with, um, you know, my mother's one of 11. So there was a lot of Italian uncles and we lived in upstate New York. So most of the Brown spirits that, we they were drinking when I was and I, that I remember so um, specifically as a kid was Seagram's yeah. and it was Canadian Canadian whiskey yeah. Canadian rye right yeah. or Crown Royale mm. yeah. Crown Royale was fancy okay mm-hmm. and you know you got the velvet bag that you would you know everyone every kid would fight for the bag to Don't, get their yeah, right. box in, you know so I think it's really interesting because they wanted they were not a culture of stirring like these were not a bunch of guys who were into the ritual of the thing it was like how do we get this thing beat up cold enough and into a glass immediately so we can drink it now so we could drink it and they weren't drinking stuff on the rocks you know Mm -hmm. the only thing they drink on the rocks was doors and soda like i remember every italian wedding there's doors and soda and we thought that was the coolest drink ever because we could like have it with sprite or something and like hide it you know whatever (laughs) and i think and seagram's and seven was another very very popular drink and it's actually the first thing i ever got like shit faced with in high school was because i thought it was so cool i was like yeah see give me a pint of seagram's and a six pack of you know seven up kind of thing right (laughs) but that i so that ritual of shaking i learned two things it expedited how cold it got sure it was a little cloudy but I don't know. It just emotionally remind me of that period. So, you know, every, you know, every curmudgeon kind of troll who like was like, you don't shake your Manhattan. It's like, OK, I'm not saying everybody needs to shake their Manhattan, but I shake it because it reminds me of the people I learned how to drink Manhattans from. Full Perfect. stop. There you, go. you know, and, and I think with everything like these cocktail books I'm doing and then the cookbook is I'm sure there's a million different ways to do all this stuff. But like. I just want to, this is the way I do it. And you, and I give everyone the permission to riff on anything in any way they want, except you do not substitute vodka in a Negroni ever, <laughs> ever. I, I don't even think it works. It's not I even, it's, it's not even a Negroni. <laughs> I will hunt you down. It's a cardinal I, rule. Stanley, Stanley Tucci. I will hunt you down. <laughs> um, but I just think that um, like all this stuff, it's so specific to, to everyone's taste and flavor profiles and skill set and, and stuff like that. And, and what your like food memory is and flavor memories are. And um, you know, I, 
think that um you, you you know you can't judge you can't judge on most of these things well there's no wrong way to take it unless it's vodka in a negroni which it just it's not that isn't that called a cosmopolitan you know, at Cosmo, I was talking to my friend Morgan Weber, who has Cultivari and Eight Row Flint in Houston. He's sort of my drink consigliere. <laughs> and we were talking about the uh, the Cosmopolitan the other day because I was kind of taking a deep dive into this martini book. And I said, um, uh, Morgan, do you think the Cosmopolitan is a um, martini? And he said, well, in my opinion, it's more like a margarita. It's actually a sour. All right. And um, we were talking about it. And, you know, supposedly, as legend has it, there's one guy in lower Manhattan that kind of invented that drink. And like fast forward, Sex in the City made it the most popular cocktail in the world. And I said, you know what, Morgan? I'm almost ready to start drinking Cosmopolitan. (laughs) Like it's been so removed from the zeitgeist and culture but we were we the more we were talking about the, the the kind of you know the breakdown of the drink i was like you know what i do remember those going down really good and i do remember them being you know you know quite simple in preparation and maybe it's time to bring that damn drink back and he was like not so fast <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, with morgan like they just yeah. ease, ease up on it man let's let's go boulevardier next you know well listen i'll tell you right now i could not walk into i don't know name some like like melfi's a really cool restaurant that uh, my buddy brooks owns in uh charleston and i could not walk up in confidence with a bunch of dudes at the bar and be like take a cosmo please <laughs> Well, you, yeah. you could, but probably what you get back is going to be a Negroni or a Boulevard. <laughs> you're not getting a Cosmo. Or a boot right in your ass. Or, or, or you're not going to be drinking at that bar very long. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Can you get that to go, sir? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So hold on. Let's go to, let's go to B. Let's see. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's hit B again. So it's, it's, I get light on the nose again, yeah. very, I get, I get a lot of vanilla. I get a little bit of honey sweetness and then uh, it's kind of on, on the palate. It's, um, you know, it's, it's easy. This is, this and it's is not like too a, hot. This is like a whiskey and soda with uh, maybe a, a splash of fruit or something. I mean, this is pretty easy going. And which one is that? Can we say that? Which C, what B oh, is yeah. that? B or C? Oh, B. Uh, I, B, B, yeah, B. B, B. I, I, I think I've had them all. I think it's Penelope. Yeah, it's Penelope. So we know, so it's the Penelope and it's 80 proof, but this is like a great introductory. So here's the thing is like, I, you wouldn't, I wouldn't introduce somebody to the resurgence if they're like, Hey, I've never had a whiskey before. I'm ready to go. I wouldn't go down that road. Uh, Penelope is like, uh, you know, I, you could make like a good spritzer out of that thing actually ish. I mean, I think if you were to make a Boulevardier, this would be really nice too. Hmm. You're right because it, it's got it's got everything you want in a whiskey without kind of overpowering flavors and color profile. And I think the Campari and the Vermouth would be really really nice with that. Personally. Yeah, I, and then I, and then the citrusy orange notes with yeah. that. Yeah, I think if you're if you're trying to, if you're showcasing, um, yeah, if you've got a really good Vermouth. Uh, that that you want to showcase, I think this is fantastic for a Boulevardier for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. What do you you know? If you're work, rocking, I don't know. If you're rocking some of that antique stuff you got, I don't know. It may just uh, sh- take it over. <laughs> but that's under lock and key. key. So. <laughs> Saying. So the food book first and then the cocktail book, uh, Matt? No, the cocktail books. So the the Negroni book comes out in May. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, followed by a martini book. And both of them are really small volume books with like, I don't know, 15 to 18 recipes tops. Like it's not like 50 recipes on Negroni. It has minimal history in it. Most of it kind of not concentrating on the myths of the origin stories of those two drinks, which is like, just makes your head spin. And I didn't want to get involved with a bunch of drink historians like calling me out. So like, we just kind of briefly touch on the history of stuff. And then we kind of get into recipes that actually I just really like. And, you know, listen, the pro bartenders, the world still needs like, I just feel like those guys and and those women have been like 
the inspiration for all my best evenings and most fun times, right? But like when you come home, particularly now during this certain this situation, mm-hmm. um, you want to try to emulate that as much as possible. And and I think you know the home chef, just like the home bartender, like if you're not, it's not really your skill set. Like you keep it simple enough that you could probably get through it in a successful way and enjoy yourself. And that is sort of, that's the philosophy with these books. Like, um, how do you make these kind of classic cocktails at home for yourself in the most foolproof design? Mm -hmm. And um, that was, that was the intent with those two guys. Nice. Are you you doing photos with them too? I did all the photos for, and you know, it was interesting because I have more photographs of Negronis in my phone than I do with my family, <laughs> uh, which I've realized I'm not that proud of, but it's true. Do you so, say that out loud? I said that out loud. I've said it. I've actually, it's in the intro of the book. Um, but, you know, during, during lockdown, like we had all these plans to be in Europe for the summer and I was going to go to my favorite bars in Europe. You know, it really like Italy is the, there's no better Negroni than sitting in any place that's Italian. It's right. just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know, and that could be, you know, the auto grill on the highway or some piazza in Rome. It's just the way it is. So I had plans to kind of trace my steps and rephotograph all these things, but we couldn't because we couldn't get there. Right. So I was digging through all my Instagram and I built this giant folder out and we realized, wow, there's all these images from all these great places in there. And then some, I just had to kind of recreate either, you know, at my kind of makeshift studio upstate or here. Um, but you realize like the Negroni is just about kind of a beautiful daylight situation somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, imagine yourself on the seaside or some, you know, like I said, Piazza bar, but the martini really needs environment. And as I was kind of clocking where my favorite martinis are in New York, it's slowly like the world slowly began to open up. So I was able to get to the polo bar, polo bar and have a Gibson. I was able to go back to Dante and have like an upside down vermouth forward martini. And like, that was really good because um, I couldn't fake it anymore. You know, my kitchen was beginning to look the same no matter what <laughs> table surface or glass I used. Hey, Cal, so, quit, quit drooling, Cal. Quit drooling, man. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> These, these sound amazing. These books sound amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it should be. It should be good. And I'll tell you, one of the great things that happened to me in the writing of this martini book is I fell in love with olives. Mm. Like, I've always not been a huge fan. I sort of have PTSD from olives from my brother as a kid. I don't know, like food fights or him putting them on the speakers. easy, easy. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I just was like, I found this one olive brand uh, out of necessity at my local supermarket upstate. There are p- classic pimento stuffed olives and they were just perfect. And I realized the key was they weren't a mushy mess. Like the texture was so texture. Good. All texture. about texture. Right. There was like a crunchy thing with a real pimento and the brine was really good. And I was like, oh, my God, like I, I really I'm in love with olives now. And that was kind of great because then, you know, this idea of like really getting behind recipes like the dirty martini or the not so dirty or the filthy suddenly changed because the garnish was the thing that I realized I didn't like with all that stuff. So, and, so did you have any, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was, that was, well, you, I mean, you, you drug me right into the pickled part and, uh, I mean, you've been down South, uh, for most of, uh, you know, for quite some time, did you get introduced to any good pickles or any good pickled things? I, my, my grandfather's Eastern European. So oh, like, okay. Never mind. like if you, <laughs> if you stay in one place long enough, he will pickle you. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Like they pickled everything. They pickled deer tongue, deer heart. Like, I mean, and, and by the way, it was great. Like as a kid, you weren't told what it was. It just like found its way and it was excellent. Okay. And, um, so I love, I love pickling things. And, um, what I love in the South, which I think is amazing is the pickle fried pickle chip. Oh yeah. yeah. Fried pickle 
with like ranch dressing on the side mm-hmm. is probably one of life's I actually I would rather have a bad version of that than a bad french fry. Oh wow. So that's, would I. that's good. So so in homage to the south and also a nod to my my love of France I did in the book a pickled martini. Oh. But using a cornichon Right, because it's a nice garnish yeah. that size, sure. and using that brine with a dole and French vermouth, and I'll tell you right now, it's it's terrific. And um, I was surprised I didn't see most of that, uh, many of those in the South, because even my friend Sid, we exchange Sid Mashburn in Atlanta, we exchange pictures of our favorite pickled potato chips. And I found at the pilot, or as we like to call it, the pilot. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, well, that's station. the French version. Yeah. French version. They have pickle-flavored <laughs> chicharrones, pork rinds. Oh, yeah. Sure. And guess what? That with a seltzer on the road is, that's my favorite road trip snack. Wow. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but I love pickles. I like them in all, sna- all shapes, forms, or whatever. So, um there's definitely a pickled martini in the book and a ramp martini. See, we have all these crazy wild uh, onions or these kind of wild leeks yep, yep. called ramps, right? You, I think you have them. No, we, we've got them down here. Yeah, we. Uh, so typically in the south, you know, where we're making uh, making hay or something, if you get a mess of ramps in your in your round bale of hay and you feed it to your dairy cattle. Well, then you get a tainted mess of milk and you have to dump the whole milk. So you have to be very careful. Really? Yeah, you have to be very careful that you don't have, uh, we, we would call them wild onions. We wouldn't call them yeah. ramps. Yeah, yeah, but for, for dairy farmers that are making their, well, anybody that's feeding hay to dairy cattle, you have to be make sure that there's no uh, wild onion patches or I guess I shouldn't say it in the hay, but if you turn your cows out and they were to go out and they eat the ramps, right. when they come back in, well, you know, I mean, what goes in must come out. That's right. The interesting thing is our ramps up here in the Northeast grow on southeast rocky slopes, like hmm. wet southeast rocky slopes that's where you find them in absolute millions like on our farm upstate i had been looking for months because i was like i know there's ramps up there i just moved up there it wasn't until the year after that i realized they were right behind our driveway (laughs) you know just like (laughs) thousands and thousands and thousands because think of all those pounds you lost scouring those mountains (laughs) yeah but there were no cows grazing on those rocky slopes so that's pretty interesting we don't have that problem up there but when when the bulb gets you know when it just begins to kind of the the tops go yellow and they're about to like you're you know go into hibernation or until next season if you could find them the bulbs get quite big and that's when i like to pickle those and use those um in a ramp gibson oh nice nice. so do you do a lot of foraging like that do you you go out and eat mushrooms and uh i I do but um at risk of not wanting to kill my family uh there's only a couple mushrooms that i am absolutely 100 percent sure of which is we have a few chanterelles there we have a few kind of henna wood stuff there And then after that, it's pretty much like wild, you know, those wild onions and um, some wild greens. Like when the dandelions first come up in the field, like, you know, all those tender first shoots we collect and that stuff is great. So I I like to do as much as that as possible, but I'm not going to risk killing anybody for a mushroom. Right. Yep. For sure. For sure. Hence the reason this won't kill you either. Um, is this are we on c uh how'd you feel about c yeah i like c too a little bit hotter than yeah. B. yeah so for yeah so for c i get the most rounded like the like the the, the like these uh for a and b they're two different spectrums kind of the middle of the road on c right i get a little bit of both yeah um but yeah, extremely light. It's still 83 proof. Uh, it's the four plus years from Sagamore. So um, it's a straight rye. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that goes well in, in any cocktail you want to put it in for sure. I would say in general, I, I lean into the rye um, when I am making mixed drinks more than anything. Nice. You know, like those are my kind of favorite go-tos. 
Uh, yeah, hold up. They got some spice to them, and they'll they'll stand. Especially if you're going vermouth or or something, uh, you know, some kind of strong. Um, you know, if you're infusing any kind of uh, syrups or something to go in them, right? I mean, they're they're yeah. going to stand up and uh, you know have a good. Uh, they're not, they're just not going to 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 your point get just uh, completely diluted, and uh, you know I'm just drinking a, a sweet cocktail. Yeah, it's really it's really you know like growing up with all that Canadian rye. I think recently, I a friend of mine said, "Oh, you should try the, this Crown Royale rye. It's it's uh, winter harvested rye, hmm. and um, it was cheap. I found it at my local. And for for a Manhattan again, like to get back to the Manhattan world, I, I just thought it was excellent drink to mix with, you know, because I think there's kind of sipping quality stuff and then mixing quality stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's going to get lost, I might as well just stick with." you know, the stuff that mixes well more, more than just straight up. Sure. Well. And, um, I really got brought, brought back to my upstate New York, you know, uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve dinners with, uh, uncle Tony and uncle Peter, <laughs> you know, with that, but it was, um, I don't know. I thought it was great. You know, I'm not really, I don't get really snobby about all this stuff. You know, I think, um, you, got to pick a lane with what you're going to be a snob about and i think i've done that with just a couple things and i'm just gonna you know the the purity of the negroni should not be effed with mm-hmm. um but besides that i feel like um there's i think there's more variety like in brown spirit cocktail making i give uh i give way more wiggle room <clears throat> than brown spirit sipping hmm you know, like with, with brown spirits, and I include rums in this, is like, I really want the quality to be sipping quality, like n- nurturing, sipping quality. Um, that, because that's the way I drink most brown spirits nowadays, particularly in the winter months, is I'll, I'll just pour it in a glass, very no, normally no ice, a lot of the time after dinner. And I just want it to hold up as most elegantly as possible on its own. Nice. Nice. You know. So I got, I got some more questions, but, uh, so ABC, how, how are you ranking them? What, what's your, what's your go-to and what are you going for next? I think I would drink a, without a hesitation, just on its own. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't mix that with anything. Maybe, maybe some ice. Right. And again, the reason that you might not is this is not the typical resurgence that you would get uh, just walking off of it. This is a this is a barrel pick. So it's one of a kind. It's unique. And it's uh, it is at cast strength. Yep. So, you know, you're, you're getting a lot, a lot, a lot of punch, a lot of. Uh, I think uh, it has terrific flavor. It mm-hmm. also reminds me of like the flavors I want to taste after I eat something, you know, yeah. after a heavy meal, like you end with that kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe that in a Klondike bar, pretty be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this was like dessert all day long. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, B would be my, maybe my Manhattan choice. Right. B's really you know? good. Yep. And, or my Boulevardier choice. Yep. Right. Right around mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. I think C could kind of play into that category as well, depending on mm-hmm. where you were going. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You yeah, know, that, that, that's, that's my take. And I mean, I'm an absolute amateur um, with most of this stuff, but you know, I guess it comes down to tasting a whole bunch of stuff that you learn to like, and then you kind of go from there. Well, so are we, we just like to drink. I mean, the thing is we had, uh, we had one that was a, a malted hundred percent malted rye. We had one that was a four grain and we had one that was, uh, you know, a straight rye. So, I mean, completely different and, uh, it doesn't mean one's better than the other. I mean, it's, uh, t- yeah, I mean, you just brushed your teeth for crying out loud. Yeah, I'd like to say that I've got, I've got two, I've got two, um, cocktail books coming out and a, and a food book, but I mean, my, my palate is not right for this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, it's too good. Yeah. But, but I'm with you. I could, uh, so the resurgence, the, uh, the, the, a, the a mark that like I could just, uh, like I could actually make a meal out of this thing almost. For sure. Yeah. Just keep, so uh, keep so Matt, in the South. All right. So diamond in the rough, uh, give us a barbecue place that was like, Oh my gosh, you gotta go here. So 
Lexington Barbecue in Lexington, North Carolina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's my backyard. No, I'm from Raleigh, so that's like four hours away. But yeah, Lexington, go. I'm here. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Dude, that just changed my life. Wow. And, okay, so there's different kind of barbecue. There's like hipster barbecue. There's new barbecue. Some, you know, and pe- you know, people do that great. Like um, in Houston, uh, a friend of Morgan's brought me to a place. I was just in Charleston, went to Lewis Barbecue. I mean, that brisket was the fattiest, moist, most perfect brisket I've ever had. And the pork rib is pretty damn good. But there's something about when you, the aesthetics of a place when you go into a place like Lexington, and it looks like just the, you know, regular, you know, linoleum top diner. And, but that vinegar based, vinegar based pork barbecue and something I'd never seen before, which is they just call barbecue slaw, which is actually coleslaw just made with ketchup. By the way, genius, absolutely amazing. <laughs> like it was chopped like they do New York style coleslaw. It's all chopped up with carrot, but instead of using may- mayonnaise and sugar and vinegar, it's just like vinegar and ketchup. And I remember looking to the left, looking at, I kept saying to Yolanda, like, what the hell is that guy eating? It looks like applesauce or what the hell? And the woman said, oh, that's barbecue slaw. And I was like, whatever the hell that is, I'll take it. (laughs) And um, it was just spectacular. I just thought it was really, really great. Nice. So that was my go-to. And, you know, I don't want to piss a lot of people off, but the the worst meal we had on the road trip was Chick-fil-A. Ooh. Ooh, really? <laughs> and I'll tell you why. We were down in Asheville and went to Buxton Barbecue in Asheville. Big shout okay. out to those yeah. guys. Yeah. And I had their interpretation of that kind of just classic Southern fried chicken sandwich, which, you know, Chick-fil-A has made an absolute fortune sure. on and, yeah. you know, bringing it to the masses. Yeah. But what I thought was interesting is like the chicken he was using at Buxton was so good. Like the Mm. flavor of the chicken was Mm -hmm. so good. It like tasted like something. And it was just the really thoughtful construction, you know, like the bun and the cheese were pretty straightforward, but it just was like so good. The chicken and the fry was so good. And I just felt like many, like many fast food places, it just felt like uncared for and just slung out. And the chicken was tasteless and the fry was good, but I kept going like, Felt you know like Homer Simpson like hello flavor you know, <laughs> you know like where is and in both you London I looked at, and it was sort of at the end of the trip and we were like everybody goes apeshit crazy for Chick Fil A but mm. like this was so eh. hmm. and I think it was because we had such extraordinary stuff coming through mm-hmm. that actually was really mom and pop mm-hmm. um, except this one chicken finger place that. Clara wanted to go through, go to Canes. I don't, I don't know Canes. You know Canes? Canes. No. Canes, know Canes, all they do is make fried chicken tenders. Oh, where? And, where? And, and this was down um, in South Carolina. Okay. And Clara was going ape shit crazy for it. She's like, we got to go to Canes. We got to go to Canes. We pull up and I'm like, wait, we're waiting in line for chicken fingers? She's like, dad. <laughs> Yeah, just wait. C A N E S. It was, they were fantastic. Okay. I mean, I, they were absolutely fantastic. I have not heard this. So, so anyway. But, so then, they were good. The chicken figures were good. Oh, my God. It was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> and um, so, anyway, that was sort of like my tour of, of, now listen, if there is one franchise out there, Chick fil A, that thinks that they can impress me the most, I'm open to that. I'm not saying it's etched in stone, but. The one I went to was just didn't seem as thoughtful and as good as the the people that were kind of reinterpreting reinterpreting in their own kind of mom and dad. Yeah, sure. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Let me ask you this, go because here in the South, of course, Chick Fil A is from Atlanta. Um, We kind of established that as like the you know it's kind of the go to place. But in your opinion, you're well traveled in the U.S. What's your what's your go to? burger place from like uh, fast food is it in and out is it uh I, Whataburger? If, if somebody said to me you have one one last group of meals okay mm-hmm. in and out burger would be at the top of that list there you go i agree and i will say this when i land in la my first meal is in and out on right by the airport yep been there and my last meal if i can do it 
is in and out by the airport. <laughs> Been there, and, done that. Been there. And what I, I'll tell you why, what I love about the in and out burger. I like the size. I like the density of the patty. It's, it's a fast food burger. It's not a bar burger, like bar burgers, like JG melon are phenomenal, but they're a little thicker. You can adjust the temperature or whatever. The flavor of the beef is so good. And then I read this, there's a book on the kind of history of in and out. And then you realize like they have such control over the supply chain from the cattle that they choose to the butcher, to the processing, to everything. Wow. It's just, it's just incredible. And I like that style of burger. That's thin patty with yellow cheese with, you know, onion or you know, animal style, depending on how you fresh onion, you know, and I just, I mean, if I really want to make Yolanda jealous on a trip, I will send a picture of an in and out. That's for real. Makes it that's rough for, for you when you get home, doesn't it? Nice. No, now I, she's like, in and out. You, God damn it. All right, I got two questions. I'll turn um, back to Cal. Cal um, so did you try fried okra on the trip? And have you gotten an argument with Stanley Tucci about cocktails in the past? Okay. I... Um, I, I have had fried okra in the in the past, and actually, just in Georgia, I one of my favorite like my cocktail snack foods is freeze dried okra. Okay, it was so good and crunchy and beany, and like you felt less guilty stuffing your face with it. Whatever, I thought that was amazing. Um, I am a huge Stanley Tucci fan in terms of his acting, and um, when I used to go to the Sunset Tower, I would see him at the gym. Um, and he's an incredibly fit guy and I would not want to get in any kind of altercation <laughs> with him. Um, but I would kindly suggest if I ever saw Mr. Tucci that, um, he give better advice on his cocktail. making. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, was shit. that diplomatic enough? Yeah, very, yeah, very much so. it, it doesn't, I, I don't know why the hell you're being diplomatic. <laughs> well, I don't want Stanley you, you, Tucci kicking my ass. I've watched him put up like barbells and stuff. At the, you know, and, that, and that's an intimate gym, but I, I don't want anything to do with those biceps. All right. So I'm, I'm still, so at this point, if you have anything left, just pour them and drink them. And, uh, but, but I'm still in good shape that I can continue a conversation. And, and I think we've settled on what we like the best and the least and the most. Well, we liked everything. They're yeah, just, they were all great. They were good. There are different times and reasons and different things you could do with everything that we Cal, poured. Cal, I think you put together a great lineup here. I think it was really good. I think it's great. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's really honestly hard to choose what is a favorite. I mean, I do like them all for all for different reasons. Um, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a dog in the bunch here. Personally, I'd be really happy with any of these in my, at my bar mm-hmm. or, um, so I think it's a, I think it's a really nice, it, it's actually more difficult when they're so closely, um, as good as each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, they're yeah. equally good, but also vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. If that's, if course. that's fair. I, I don't know if they, I mean, it would be like me looking through your martini list and say, or your martini book and say, well, well, shit, I like that one. And I like that one. And I like that one. I mean, really to me, these are about like, when, when would I drink these and how would I drink them? Yeah. I think the interesting thing about what happens with the martini is you're, you're using a base clear spirit. In this case, the original martini will always be gin, right? Mm, yep. Um, no, it, it will always be, always gin. be gin. But I think that that combination of vermouth and garnish and technique starts really changing what that thing is. Um, and that's where all the kind of alchemy comes into play. Um, you know, sweet dolan mixed with dry dolan with a bit of sea salt in the shaker, like Dude, it's just crazy how that changes so dramatically with that. And I do think that's the beauty of gin. And, you know, and even bad gin can be disguised to be a good drink. But I think with these spirits, you know, you can't disguise them in their original state. Like, it's as good as it's going to be as that. And um, you can't fake it. You know, yeah, we, we may have to let you go soon. Sorry, we don't need to keep you longer than we. Yeah, were. I got a, I got about. I'm looking at the clock. I got about five minutes before uh, I'm tapped to start dinner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. would, I would be a BCA guy on this, so I would be a Penelope Sagamore and then, then and then an ASW guy on these. It's the way I would say, like, BCA? if I were doing a proper pour. 
Um, I, I think I would go straight up ABC. Hmm. Oh, you would do it just like we did it. I would do it just like we did it. Cool. Cool. So you, you, you were happy with and And, and uh, my partner, she, uh, you know, she ran it. I pour them and then she <laughs> mixes them up. So I have no idea which is which, but you like the, you like the fact of getting the stronger, more potent, uh, 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 the, the higher proof on the first one and then working through the rest of them. Yeah. But I mean, like that. I said, I would go, you know, at the end of the night, I would go with a, Oh yeah, sure. Right. Because if my palate is clobbered or whatever, like that would be, I, I, I would end, I end my evening more often than not with a Brown spirit than started. But you'd end with a, I would end with a, yeah, me too. I would end with a, and then maybe if I was to make, cocktails manhattan and or boulevardier i would go bc cool. yeah yeah good to go yeah. before bc by the way stands for before campari well guys it's as usual it's always fun to talk to you and i appreciate you having me on absolutely sir thank you so much we appreciate you coming on man so much um, and uh maybe one of these days we could all sit within Two and a half feet of each other. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Just don't lick each other and we'll be fine. Oh boy. We'll be fine. Oh boy. Matt, thanks for coming on, bud. We appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Cheers. My, my pleasure, guys. Cheers, right. cheers, cheers, cheers. Cheers, my cheers. friend. Cheers.